You getting a good scratch there, Billy? Yep. So a big week in Rantland. A lot of really? a lot of stories this week. What happened? They're finally building that Popeyes. Oh man, I can't wait till we get to Target Gardens. I think it's pronounced, <laughs> think it's pronounced Pie Pies. Popeyes. I'm a big fan of Popeyes. It's awesome. I I I have tried the chicken sandwich when I've had the opportunity and I uh I I think the hype is warranted. Oh yeah. yes, yeah. absolutely, and and I was um, I was skeptical. I'm not gonna lie because I thought, and I was late to the game, and I waited till all the fanfare had worn off a little bit before I ever tried it. But it was uh, it was something. It was good. And I think the comparison even to the Chick Fil A sandwich is is silly. Um, yeah, they're totally different sandwiches. Right, and I mean, but. I'm probably an outlier on this, but the best thing about Chick-fil-A to me is the nuggets and you yeah. can't, eat, you don't even want to sauce them because that breading is so good. So the Chick-fil-A sandwich fails because the bread and the pickles detract from the best part. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Yeah. And the, but um, Popeye's also has good chicken. Like, I haven't had it, but I, I see this is why I'm, glad that we're getting one because i've only ever gotten popeyes when i'm like on the road and in a place where they have a popeyes and that's not a you know being in the car is not like let's get some chicken thighs you know (laughs) (laughs) well like now i'll get to try that oh yeah yeah so yeah they got um popeyes uh before the chicken sandwich came to be i mean they have a good chicken don't get me wrong they have good chicken strips too um, but what I really liked getting there was their uh, fried shrimp. It was great. They have great oh, fries really? I've too. Never tried that. Oh yeah, the fried shrimp's great. And I don't know if it's if it's always on the menu, but sometimes the or maybe it's always or maybe it's seasonal. But they'll do a a fried shrimp po' boy too, and that's pretty good. Oh yeah. So um, and it's so, yeah. reasonably priced. Like I would say, it's probably the lowest priced of all the chicken restaurants. Yeah, that uh, that chicken sandwich combo runs. Just about five bucks. Yeah, not a little bit more than that. So, you're so what, spending... you have KFC, Bojangles, Chick Fil A, Popeyes, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's one in Raleigh called PDQ. It's not PD Quicks. It's PDQ. PDQ it's, is great. It's delicious. It is great. <laughs> it is all. It is on the higher end of the spectrum. It is on the higher end, but um, they do a a potato chip chicken sandwich. You ever had that? Yeah, I think so. It's pimento cheese, potato chips, and chicken. <laughs> it is. It's called like a pimento crunch or something like that. Well, and wasn't there an SNL skit where they were like working at TGI Fridays and they were like the Lucky Charms chicken? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But go go Popeyes. I had Church's chicken when I was uh, oh yeah in Durham one time, and I did not. I was not impressed. 
there's apparently like a big thing in Charlotte called like gas station chicken. You heard of this? I think I'm just not very cool. I think but, you, there's places locally where you can get gas station chicken. Really? Mm-hmm. Gas station. <laughs> yeah. Well, gas. It's supposed to be really good. <laughs> there's a, um, and I know John, you tried this, but a few years ago, I I used the rant to to make the announcement that ECU was getting a, a raising canes, which was is huge in in the South Gulf area, Louisiana, Texas, and Mississippi. And you said you tried it. And yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember if you said it was that good or not. But no, it was delicious. We had it yeah. at. Um, uh, we had it in Charleston. Yeah, they do have. They have two in Charleston. Else. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. I mean, it kind of the chicken kind of reminded me of Popeyes, though. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's but it's like the, I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to explain, but um, it's kind of like Zaxby's except kicked up a notch and yeah. a little oh, bit fresher, a little bit better. Um, Zaxby's isn't bad. No, Zaxby's but, is good, but it's, but Zaxby's it's can have expensive. an off day <laughs> and it's also expensive, but, um, Zaxby's man. can have an off day. <laughs> We're well, I'm just saying, like, no, I mean, so yeah. you think about it, you, you go to, you go to Chick-fil-A, you pretty much know what you're getting. Um, yeah. my, my pleasure. Yeah. You go to Zaxby's and one day it can be, um hot it can be like huge chicken strips and and just really good and then some days you get like possum possum (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah oh hey you know what we uh, i've uh, i could talk fast food all day because uh um well i do love me some fast food well i think that part of chicken chick-fil-a's appeal is their consistency they're always on point right just about always, yeah. Um, I think I, rarely have I had. Rarely have I had. Now, yeah. now I will say that uh, we were still working at the Herald. I think when Chick Fil A in Sanford opened, and so we were there for that opening morning. And they brought out these uh, these. It was like nine in the morning, but they brought out a tray of chicken sandwiches. Yeah, 30, and I 30, swear, thirty people in, died that day. <laughs> I swear they brought Dozens in more injured. No, they they brought in like the the chicken that was hand picked from from you know the best chick-fil-a chicken farm in the way it was the most amazing chicken sandwich ever and so it kind of set the bar pretty high there and i haven't had one quite as good since then but i don't know what they did on that first day maybe it's it was the brand new equipment or i don't know but it was the probably the best chick-fil-a sandwich i ever had yeah. i wanted another Y'all ever been y'all ever been to a place where you get free food, like a, a meeting or something, and you know you're not we supposed have. We're, to. We're journalists. I don't know, but you know you're not supposed to, but you kind of go back for seconds. Or like yeah. sometimes when we had to cover the uh when we had to cover the the luncheons, um uh, what was it called? The uh the public policy lunch. Yeah, we would call them the all-star Jane. meetings. Yeah. And like every now and then they would do like ribeyes for it or something like that. And I would grab two. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm gonna get me another ribeye. Yeah, <laughs> because it's a plate full of ribeyes. No one's gonna miss this one. They didn't count heads when they came in. When they're like the mo- the most important all star of them all, like is like, where's my ribeye? 
<laughs> that save for Bob. I got paid like twenty two thousand a year. I'm yeah. I'm sure you know. I'm sure I deserved that extra ribeye. What? Every now and then. My favorite. So my favorite uh, all star gathering with food was the. Uh, it was like the breakfast. Remember that? I remember that at uh, the extension center. What is that? Yes, yeah, farm, yeah, yeah. Farm I forgot city. what the event was. Farm but they always city did lunch. The farm they city did the and it was breakfast. There. Yeah. Yeah. With the red eye gravy. That's the first time I ever tried that was because uh, that's that's definitely a North Carolina or an East Coast thing. And, and I fell in love with it. it I awesome. like that. It's got coffee in it. My dad used to make it for us. Mm. But yeah, Gosh. I wonder if that still goes on because that was a cool event. Yeah, they still do that. Not things. Not not this year. Yeah. No, COVID. <laughs> That'll be on the like <laughs> year in review when everybody's like, "Oh, everything sucked." Even the COVID what, will not make somebody's <laughs> number one list on their top ten stories. <laughs> yeah, top top story of the year is uh, I don't know. For the rant, our top story should be Popeyes. (laughs) Number two, COVID. (laughs) No no target. (laughs) Well, um, you know, the last big cover story we had before COVID hit was um, the the potential for passenger rail to return to Sanford. And we got some news on that yesterday. It looks like it's going to happen. Segway. Yeah. Segway. So explain that a little bit. Um, the North Carolina Department of Transportation was awarded a federal grant to fund this, um, fund the development of this S line, which is an existing rail that runs from up near the Virginia border, uh, through several towns, including Sanford down towards South Carolina. This is part of a bigger project that's eventually going to integrate that whole line all the way up to like DC and by extension, you know, New York and back in March. Back in March, we had a cover story, you said, and you kind of led that cover story. And you said then that it was possible that it was going to happen, but I guess this grant makes it all but, all so, but certain now? Or is there still is there still a possibility that it may not fall through or go through? Well, I mean, my understanding of the grant process is that when they give you money for a purpose, they expect you to, to do it, to to do it. But, you know, I guess, I guess you never know, but this makes it all but certain. Yeah. That now that this money's allocated um, it's, it's, it's a pilot program at this stage. And the uh, train line runs through downtown through Depot park. So I imagine that there'll at least be a temporary platform there while they, uh, work toward the development of something more private. So yeah, there'll be a station where, here? Where do you think they're going to put it? Do you well, think they'll extend prob- it off of Depot Park like that, or do you think it'll be a little bit further down? Um, uh, the mayor has spoken about the area around First Street, which is sort of behind the old La Dolce Vita. I mean, there is an old existing That's what platform I was thinking. back yeah. there. That would be great. And I mean, if you th- that, that area is pretty nasty right now, but if you think about if that could... if that were cleaned up and developed and modernized how awesome that would be for downtown it would be incredible and it would uh it would have kind of the feel of the new station the new amtrak's well it's not maybe not new anymore but the fairly new amtrak station in downtown raleigh kind of has that that platform um you know it's a modernized building but they 
I think they, maybe I'm mistaken, but didn't they build that from an old building or is that, I don't know. Maybe I'm. So yeah, they did. I don't know the, the answer station. to that. That yeah, but it area. looks really it looks really cool. It looks really cool. And if uh and if Sanford can do that, so I know we would jump on it just, you know, because it's a train and trains are cool and we would, you know, probably as the rant, we would do some reporting on it and what it's like. But is you know, after all the novelty wears off, is this something, John, you work in Raleigh? Is this something you would so, use? So I was wondering about that. Like, is it a commuter train or is it like a yeah, train to go to Washington D.C. I mean, well, it I, could, I, I think it could be either. You know, it would stop. Well, I guess in Raleigh. I'm, I'm just thinking about the economics of it. Like, would it be cost effective to get on that and go to Raleigh every day? That see, that's an interesting thing. If I still worked in Raleigh, like I did for a year, I, you know, I'd look at what I was spending in gas back and forth, yeah. factoring in maintenance on the car, and then see and if you know the if there's some kind of Go ahead. And the severe psychological trauma of sitting in traffic for an hour every day. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if it was more cost effective to buy some kind of weekly pass, or even if it was two, three times a week, be, you know, you'd have to be in walking distance from the from downtown. I guess. Oh no, man, not anymore. Not with Uber. You can get oh, on well, in with Ubers, man. Well, but then then there goes your gas cost savings, though. Right. We're all going to be working from home forever anyway. No, nah, man. Uber's free. <laughs> Uber's not free. <laughs> Uber's not. Wait. Well, there is a bus transportation system in Raleigh. I think it'd yeah. be cool to get on it in Sanford and go to Washington. That'd be cool. Yeah. 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 I think it'd be, it'd like, be cool. Hey, we're, we're going to see the Na- Nationals play tomorrow. Let's get on this train and go up there. Um, and then ride back. When When we get the train through here uh the ranch should film a monorail episode (laughs) didn't we suggest a monorail to to mayor man one time or something i think we did it's it's possible we've said all kinds we had him on a show or something yeah the ring came off my pudding can (laughs) here's my pit knife my good man Our guest this week is the uh, newly elected minority leader of the North Carolina House of Representatives, Robert Reeves II. Um, Robert is a Sanford native, now represents Chatham County in the House of Representatives, but you're still here on a on a regular basis, I assume, practicing law. So this seemed like a, a great opportunity to interview a Sanford guy who's now in you know one of the leadership positions in the state. So thanks for coming on, Robert. Thanks for having me. So, uh, yeah, House Minority Leader, did you ever think it would come to this? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how did, how did yeah, that It's kind of funny. I oh, no, I just said it's just kind of funny how it happened. I mean, it, um, I've been in now for six years, and I can promise you that I did not think at the end of uh, year six that I would be House Minority Leader. Right. Well, how did, how did it all come together? I know you'd been deputy, uh, deputy leader of the Democratic Caucus for the last two years. Is that correct? Yeah, for the last four years, I've last had a four. really good opportunity. Um, Darren, Darren Jackson is, to me, one of the more extraordinary political leaders I've ever had a chance to be around and just a great guy. And so when he had asked me to be his deputy four years ago, that was a no-brainer for him. 
because, you know, I love him. I love what he stood for. And he's taught me a whole lot. And uh, before him, I had a chance to serve under Larry Hall, not as deputy, but uh, just to serve in the House. Um, and basically, Larry's last term is minority leader. And so I've really been blessed to have a really good examples ahead of me. But um, if you had asked me, even right after the election, where I thought I'd be right now, my expectation was that Darren would stay on as minority leader because he had done such a great job. And I would be happily continuing as his deputy. But once Darren uh, made the determination he was going to step down, uh, you know, just had to make a decision. And just like every other decision I made since I've been in office, as far as being in leadership, you know, I just listened to the caucus. And, and it really was a situation where if the caucus wanted me to be leader, I, I, I was willing to step up and try to help us through what's going to be a tough next two years. And if the caucus wanted somebody else, I was perfectly fine with that, too. I just really wanted to see. All I care about is at the end of this biennium that we're still a tight knit caucus, that we're close and that we still try to push forward a lot of things that we all care about and really support each other. And so I think I will see myself as having been successful if I've done a good job of making sure that the rest of the state knows how great this caucus is and it helped make everybody a better caucus member and a better legislator. Sure. It's been, what, about two, three weeks since uh, since the election for this position? Yeah, I think uh, three weeks now. Have you had a lot of opportunity to see how your job has changed or is it still pretty new? Oh, I've had a whole lot of opportunity. I mean, the, the good <laughs> thing about elected officials is uh, nobody's shy about giving opinions and, and assistance. Right. <laughs> so uh, I, I've had a chance to hear a whole lot of opinions. Opinions and uh, a whole lot of thoughts about the job. And how, so I, I, I'm getting to know what I need to know. <laughs> how would you say things are different then from, um, I mean, I guess you'd been in, in leadership before, but um, how, how are things different from the day to day life of a legislator and, and being in the position you're in now? I mean, it's completely different. Um, I mean, even as deputy, it was very different, but as leader, it's completely different. Uh, um, you know, whereas most of your days and your calls um, when you're not in leadership are, are strictly dealing with your constituents and strictly dealing with bills that you want to push through in the past uh, for the folks back home. Um, once you're in leadership, you have to think in more of a macro level. And once you're the, the leader, I mean, you're really thinking at a macro level, but at the same time, making sure that you're taking care of the folks that put you in office in the first place. And so uh, it's really like picking up a third job. But yeah. uh, again, my primary focus you know, as always has got to be the people that got me here uh, politically. And then my primary focus in life, of course, still has to be my family. Yeah, it sounds like uh, sounds like you're juggling a lot. I'm curious, you know, from a political perspective, the job of minority leader has at times got to be frustrating because you're leading the group that's that's out of power. What What is that like on a day to day basis, knowing that a lot of your legislative priorities are not things that the opposing party wants to take up, is willing to take up, et cetera. But I mean, first and foremost, when you're saying that at times it can be frustrating, I mean, it's only frustrating when you're awake and you're doing it. But, um, <laughs> but I, I would say that it is a, <laughs> but in all seriousness, it, it, it's, it's actually a really rewarding job in a lot of senses because I think what you got to do, and I and I do want to say that was a joke, so I don't want to have any of my caucus members <laughs> mad at me after this uh, interview. But, 
but um, but it is rewarding in this sense. I, I think that you have to change your definition of what a win is. When you're in the majority, a win is that you've got policy through that you, you've advocated for and that you think is going to be great for the state. Mm-hmm. When you're in a minority, you've got to recognize that sometimes a win is playing defense and is getting something done. And I think that's one of the challenges that you have. And it's not that elected officials want to get credit as much as it, it, it is nice to be able to tell somebody, say, hey, you had this issue going on back in, in Pittsburgh and I was able to solve it. See, here's the bill that I pushed through and you know, and here's what happened. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just got to get it where you can get it. I can't say how many times that I've gotten law uh, or legislation made in the law, but you know, it's on a bill that I had nothing to do with. In fact, uh, just this last session, you know, we were in the minority still. And one of the things that I cared about, especially being a former prosecutor, being a criminal um, defense attorney, I really wanted to see an opportunity for people who were suspended just for the purpose of you know, not having paid fines or something like that, just for monetary purposes, to at least get a chance to drive. And so I was able to get a limited driving privilege um, passed for people in that situation. Yeah. But I had, had I wrote the bill two years ago, but the bill didn't actually get sent in as a standalone bill for Robert Reeves. I actually got it attached as an amendment to another bill. So, you know, my, but it's not some of what we deal with in the minority. And that's what we've got to remember is that those are the wins. Ultimately, we're still here to take care of people. We're still here to try to push through an agenda. And the biggest thing that we do is you still got to be here to make sure that those voices are heard. I think that there, there, you can never underestimate the importance of at least making the argument. You know, we cared about Medicaid expansion and, uh, and we still do, but that was a really big deal over the last couple of years. And even though we didn't get it passed, we started a discussion that produced a bigger tent than really any other issue we've got going on right now in North Carolina. You know, we've got uh, people who have traditionally not aligned with each other, you know, the hospital associations lining in with the state employees, lining in with all these different people who all say the same thing that we need Medicaid expansion. So if you don't advocate for those positions in the minority, they just get lost. And I'm proud that we're able to do that. Right. Hey, Robert, this is Billy. Um, kind of on the same line, uh, on our end, um, usually the only time we see Republicans and Democrats um, interact is during an election. And usually, unfortunately, it's very negative and, you know, people are doing what they can to to win the election, understandably, but things get pretty negative. I was wondering if you could give us a behind the scenes, though, of you know when the smoke clears and it's time to get to work, um, where Republicans and Democrats maybe don't necessarily agree on a lot of issues. Um, is there a lot more uh, give and take, a lot more uh, friendly working together between the two sides than maybe the general public sees on a daily basis? Is there a form of respect or, you know, is there respect there for, for each side or, or does it really get that bad <laughs> once, uh, you know, once it's time to, to discuss these really important issues? Is it really that divisive is, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. And really, it really depends on the people. Um, and, and, and that's really all it's about, because I think what you'll see happen on a day-to-day basis, we've got to be able to work together in some capacity. There's no way around that. We're on committees together. We're sitting around each other. We're spending more time with each other than we are with our families. So at some level, you've got to do that. What I do believe is definitely the people who are in leadership on both sides understand that and try to work accordingly. 
Um, are there times where it gets really contentious and really nasty? Yes. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things, you know, that's kind of tough is that you have a lot of people now that the general assembly is not who come from professions that aren't used to discourse, disagreement. You know, they're, they're not in profession. If you've been, for instance, an attorney is we know that we can walk in and fight like cats and dogs, but it's not personal. And that is just us strongly and zealously advocating for our positions. The people who are able to understand that there's a difference between my taking a position and who I am as a person are the people who I think are able to successfully get stuff done. I, I can give you an example, actually, just this morning. Yesterday, you saw an announcement from the governor's office about broadband. And, and Gordon knows definitely uh, from reporting on me for the last couple of years and, and really anybody else. That's a huge issue with me, especially in Chatham County. Our broadband is terrible. With that being said, um, I was able to um, run a bill in the last biennium with Dean Ark, who is a, an appropriations chair with the Republican Party. And who, if you look back, I've actually done a lot of bills with, we've got a great working relationship, never had a negative change in six years. So Dean and I are proud and happy. We get this bill passed. Everything's great. It gets subsumed into the budget. We're thinking, oh man, you know, we're on our way. You know, even though neither of us is necessarily crazy about the present state of our broadband, at least this is $38 million that we're going to be able to get to some rural communities. Well, it gets to the governor's office, who's our governor, who is who I love. And the governor's office is like, yep, we're not going to be able to do that. <laughs> and so that's something that potentially could have just become a big political football, gotten to be contentious, gotten to be nasty, you know, people pointing fingers. And I want to give credit to the governor and to give credit to Dean in particular, because the two of them took the lead on this issue, got together, and they worked out. And, and what it was, it was nothing to do with the um, broadband itself. It has a lot to do with the COVID money that comes down, has certain stipulations with it. They've got clawbacks and all that. And it was really a legitimate um, difference in interpretation about what happens with that money if we spend it for that purpose. And so they work together and they've been working together for the last three weeks to get that figured out. And that resulted in the announcement yesterday <laughs> and nobody clawing for credit, nobody trying to get blamed. But that's the greatest example of bipartisan working together that you could see. And that is probably more true than not uh, when you talk about our relationships that we have. But does it get contentious yet? And a lot of that starts from the top down. Yeah, you know, I, I believe. And I'd like to hope that maybe the federal level is going to calm down some and that'll help us calm down at the state level, which will help people calm down at the local level. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it only becomes as contentious as voters let it happen. Let it be. Yeah. And that and that to me is really the bottom line. If voters don't like seeing it. Stop voting for people that make it like that. So you, you briefly mentioned um, COVID and how it uh, how it um, complicated this broadband issue a little bit. This is such a ridiculously broad question, but really just the, how has this past, these past nine, 10 months made your job more challenging, made, um, made everything more challenging at, at the state level? Because I can't imagine, um, you know, you, you have the job that you, that you do, that, that you've been doing, and then all of a sudden a global pandemic comes in and not only are you voting on uh, legislation that you would have been voting on this year, but now you've got this whole set of these new guidelines and, uh, you know, the, the numbers are getting worse and, and there's a lot of pressure, I, I guess, on states at the state level to 
enact mandates or not or don't enact mandates or you know I, I just can't imagine how how much it's complicated your job can you talk a little bit about uh, what these last 10 months have been been like for you yeah um just at a strictly governmental level uh the, the biggest challenge is loss of revenues and trying to figure out how you support the people who are going through this pandemic and who to support and where to throw the support you know is it better for me to throw the support down at the constituent level and you know give directly to people is it better for me to supplant these small businesses many of those you know you guys have reported on it many that we're losing every day is it better for us to support you know in another area like where does the money need to go where do we need to support and that's a huge question and it's there's never a right answer because in a battle for resources which we already were in in north carolina you know just to be frank that was a lot of our battle over the last couple of years about the budget now that's been amplified. And the problems that we have societally have been amplified by the pandemic. And that's your other issue. You know, speaking of broadband, for instance, those of us who have been following the broadband issue knew we had a broadband, broadband problem six years ago. But now and that has been amplified. And now the amplification of the broadband issue is now going to call and exacerbate the problems in our educational system. You know, behind city students and that type of thing, that gap's getting worse. And then, you know, the sadness is just think about where we live. If you live in Lee County, your experience with virtual school has been completely different than those of us that live in Chatham County. If you're on the western side of Chatham County, it's all that you can do to get online, much less actually attend and functionally um, and be involved in your school. And so those issues are big issues. Those issues are issues we're going to have to figure out. You know, and that's not something that's going to be fixed next year. Because once we get out of this pandemic, you're still going to have a lot of gaps and a lot of holes and a lot of different ideas about how we need to fix them. And the problem is that, and this is where the partisanism gets in, it's hard to agree. You know, there are certain areas we just should leave alone. And there are those of us who say that, you know, you can't leave people alone, you know, that you got to help every part of our society. And think about just the wearing a mask and how that became a political issue. You know, that's a frustrating thing at the governmental level. I've got people in my caucus who are as susceptible to this disease and as susceptible to dying to this disease as anybody in the nation, but they have to come to work right now. And, you know, that's out of our control. And so it's a really, it's tough. It's difficult. Um, what I hope if nothing else happens, you're never going to get everybody on board, but I hope that the pandemic at least helps most of us start to see how much we need each other and how important it is to respect and understand what's going on with each person. Because, you know, as the three of us know on this call, you know, COVID could hit all three of us and we're all relatively the same age, relatively the same amount of health, but have different results. And so sure that Robert stays healthy, but it's making sure that if I'm sitting with Gordon and I'm sitting with Billy, that I don't get these two sick and then you don't go and get your family sick. So um, you mentioned, you know, the difference between uh, Lee County and Chatham County with regards to, to virtual schools. Um, but just talk about a little bit being from Lee County and representing another another part of the state now. Uh, obviously, that was a result of redistricting in 2016, 2018. But um, what's that like to have to to, yeah. to to go into a new part of the state and, and make a connection with people there? 
Well, the good thing is that 90% of my district didn't change. If you remember from the way we were gerrymandered before, I only had a small portion of Lee County anyway. And it's uh, right. that line is always interesting. For those of us that are from Lee County, you go back and look at that line and look at the houses that that line went around. And I think that yeah. tells you everything about how gerrymandering was bad. It was, uh, I'm sure it was a coincidence that every representative we had had in the last 30 years happened to get drawn up in the Chatham County. I'm sure there was no reason that that happened, but no, <laughs> you know, but it, it did. You know, we, we've got representatives who had their backyards cleaved. Um, but with that yeah. being said, you know, it, the good thing was that I didn't change most of the district. Um, and, and it's been interesting because Chatham and Lee are pretty homogeneous. You know, they, they've got the same concerns when it comes down to it. I mean, you take mm -hmm. broadband back out, out. Otherwise, we're basically the same place. Well, now I have Chatham and Durham. And Durham has completely different concerns than Chatham right. County. So that's really what the challenge has been. The people have been great, but learning to balance the concerns and challenges have you know, really been something. Because, for instance, the number one issue with Chatham County you know, right now, because of the expansion, because of the growth, we need more broadband. You know, we need to, mm -hmm. you know, make sure that we're supplanting healthcare. We need to start keeping our dollars in Chatham County that are getting spent elsewhere because we don't have enough jobs in Chatham County. Well, Durham's opposite. You know, Durham's got tons of jobs, no problems with broadband. So Durham has other needs and other things that they're concerned about. So that's a big challenge there. But um, again, it starts with people. And, and I've really, really been lucky. I mean, Lee County still supports me as if I'm mm -hmm. still there. And then the people of Chatham County, you know, have treated me like I'm a ninth generation Chatham County person when it comes to how to do it. It's just been great with it. So it, it has not been as bad as it could have been. Yeah, I just, it's it's got to be, I, I think to be a politician, you have to be outgoing to some extent anyway, but it's always got to be a challenge to go into a new community and sort of introduce yourself and figure out who the leaders are and and how you're going to represent them. So I just, I think it's, 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 yes. it's got to have been an, an interesting experience. Yes. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, Robert. We're at about 20 minutes. Is there, is there anything that you want to say to our listeners that we haven't asked you about or anything that you really want to emphasize? Uh, the biggest thing I would say is a big thank you to Lee County since most of you lead listeners are in Lee County. Um, mm -hmm. the, the support that I still get from Lee County, the support obviously for my business, because you know, for those of you that don't know, which is really a funny thing, you know, a lot of people say, well, you're making all that money in Raleigh. I guess you don't practice law anymore. And, <laughs> and it's not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with the $13,000, but the $13,000 right. didn't quite pay my bills. So I still practice law. So right. I just want to thank everybody for still patronizing our business and, and thanks for all the political support. And really just for the kindness, it, it is, um, I think something that gets overlooked with elected officials on both sides of the aisle at whatever level is how much it means when people just reach out to you and say supportive things and do supportive things. You know, sometimes just a hello, we appreciate what you're doing, mm -hmm. um, gets you through a day. And, uh, you know, and, I, and, you know, for those of you that don't know, my dad just got the order of the Lone Leaf Pine, you know, yeah. this week. And you know, that was an incredible incredibly great feeling but again it was about just somebody showing appreciation so for for those of you that always wonder how you can support elected officials that you really like and that you really care about what you're doing is how you do it you know it's not just about the voting it's not just about you know fundraising and all that stuff but sometimes it's just simply kind words to them and kind words to other people in support of them so i just want to tell everybody thank you for that and 
I, I nothing I've done could have been done without the support of Lee County and without being raised in Lee County and all the support I got growing up. All right. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much, Robert. And um, we look forward to talking again and I'm sure we'll see you soon. Same here, guys. Thanks a lot. Now, both of you have Merry Christmas. Have a happy holiday. All right. Same to you. Thanks, Robert. Billy, story that that uh, you got to work on was this um, this coal ash thing, which sort of seems like bigger news um, even than you know than it was presented to us as. You know, this coal ash issue was a big thing here that for a while there were a lot of fears about it, and now it's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, some of our earliest stories when we launched the Rant website. Um, dealt with the coal ash and you and I have both written about it. Um, I actually, I remember going to a meeting once of the, uh, um, I can't remember if it was Breedle or if it was the environmental Lee people, but um, I think it's the same. Yeah. It was five or six years ago, uh, or I guess five years ago, went to this meeting in a, in a church up near Colon. And uh, um, even though, the the company says it had no plans to build in Lee County and that it was only eyeing Chatham County. Um, I don't think people were convinced by that. And uh, what essentially the news this this week was that uh, a year ago this week, um, a judge ruled that the company could not um, could not do that here. And uh, um, the uh, it wasn't a ruling this week. But this week, the Chera Incorporated finally dropped its appeal. So um, it had been working for a year to to appeal the ruling. So what this states is uh, is that they will not be um, they will not uh, what's the word build <laughs> they they are not going to go through with plans for a coal ash um, disposal site in Chatham County and in Lee County. And that would be in the Brickhaven and the Colon communities. And I remember back when we did the story originally, um, I went to one of the, I, I was taken out to some, uh, farmland or, you know, pasture where they were showing us, um, where they were going to do this. And they were showing us Creek beds and they were showing us ponds and they were showing us how something like this would just destroy the water supply in that area and be this environmental disaster. And, um, and a lot of people cared about it, that, that uh, meeting at the church drew, you know, good 20, 30 people there. So, um, and everybody, you know, that lives around those sites. So uh, victory, it's a victory for them. I know the environmental groups are happy. Um, I think anybody that lives in Northern Lee County should be happy about this because uh, you know, right now, it, there's not a whole lot of development out there, but it's coming. And uh, um, that uh, that 900 or you know that 900 home community that's going up off of Colon Road and US One uh, would have been less than a mile away from this. So you know, um, big news for them as well. So um, like you said, it, it uh, um, not a lot of people were reporting on it, but uh, this is uh, this is big for people that uh, um, that live in that area and people who are going to live in that area. Yeah, and a lot of people that got a lot of page views on our site, um, 
but uh, still, it just I guess because it had the issue had sort of faded over time from uh, being a, a really huge concern a few years ago. It just for whatever reason it didn't feel as um as like as huge of news as it really was, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, and like I said, this was just they just dropped their appeal. I mean, the the ruling a year ago pretty much said this wasn't going to happen, but um, you know, you don't really hear much about appeal, appeals unless they're overturned. And so maybe that did you guys hear that just now? Yes. Yeah. What, is that that's just snot hacking on a bone? It's my thirteen year old dog who now has this ridiculous cough. <laughs> he got it up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. We keep waiting for the turkey bone to pop out, but it won't. So <laughs> So I uh at the beginning of your statement there on Coash, you may have heard a machine going. My uh, printer, I bought a new printer and it's like the loudest thing on earth. And it was like for, it was like $40. So it was like cheaper than buying print ink, right? Right. From my old one. So I just yeah, bought a new we, one. we have a printer that's less than a hundred and um it's also loud and it's slow. And I'm just wondering, you know, you see these these printers at work and uh you know and i guess those are multi-thousand dollar machines so maybe that makes sense but why can't somebody build a good cheap home printer i just need a i just need a good (laughs) cheap printer that doesn't sound like a jet taking off exactly (laughs) or you know it's i swear the one we have is still printing dot matrix because it's like (laughs) it's so loud (laughs) like you hit one button on your mouse and then it's like Uh, I remember what a pain in the ass those dot matrix things were. Um, you had to put the when you had well, when you had to put the paper in and you had to line up the dots on the side or yeah. the, the 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 holes roller. on the side, and then it never ever ever lined correctly or it would go off kilter somehow or um, and even if it did print right and then you went to tear off the perforated edges it always ripped your paper. Oh, oh man. yeah, such yeah. a pain, such a pain. <laughs> Talk about like planned obsolescence though. That's what these printers are because they're just like the ink is way more expensive than the actual printers. Yeah. And uh, Jennifer um, took a photo of Henry that she wanted to print out. And she thought when it printed, it was going to be just a little square on the paper and it printed out the entire picture on a large piece of paper. And I just (laughs) saw like that had to cost, seven dollars to print with all the <laughs> ink that it's just used <laughs> yeah uh, uh, that is such a like a dad concern you know? <laughs> know. you're using um, up all my ink <laughs> oh you, you won't believe some of the things i get mad about like oh me too like, uh, yeah i i actually get mad when someone leaves the door open um because you know we're not we're not heating up all outside yeah and off. then you catch yourself <laughs> and you're like man that's yeah. really stupid. <laughs> I'm not I get mad to that, the out of doors. <laughs> I get mad that Clara uses the the uh paper for the printer to draw on. Like that uh, stuff's not cheap, but it really is cheap. <laughs> yeah. Uh or if my kids run the dishwasher and it's not full. Yeah, <laughs> not you're only wasting are you water. Wasting water, but you're also wasting a t- uh Clorox pod or whatever it's called. Yeah. I don't know. This is coming from the guy, though, who will put 
unrinsed dishes, just crusty, you know, it's got like pot pie and pasta remnants on it. You'll just put it in the, the dishwasher. Well, yeah. Back when we had a very terrible dishwasher, we had to pretty much wash our dishes to put them in the dishwasher. And all the dishwasher <laughs> did was kind of steam them a little bit. But um, <laughs> it felt cleaner, but we got a new dishwasher last year. And uh, I was still washing the dishes before I put it in because it's out of habit. And Jennifer said, you know, one day she said, just put them in just do it. I know it's going to be tough, but just put them in. And sure enough, that, that damn thing cleaned them spotless. And so now it's like, yeah, you still have a turkey on there. <laughs> put it in there. It'll dissolve. <laughs> you cook a full lasagna just to put it in the, the dishwasher. <laughs> it's awesome. It cleans with pure acid. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, Billy. If you continue to do that, the life of your new dishwasher will not be as long as you hope. I don't know. It's got this button on it called sensor. And so I like to imagine that when you hit sensor, it scans for all the food particles in there (laughs) (laughs) and it knows just how much soap it has to use. So yeah, it zaps them. It zaps it. It's a great machine. Although one thing that does kind of stink about it is anything that says not dishwasher safe is really not dishwasher safe because it will melt and destroy those things. Whereas in our old dishwasher, you could put in like a, <laughs> you could put in saran wrap and it would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, some, 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 a gentle rub. So what's going on with house news? Spice. Yeah, Billy was, I, you know, I, I take back the whole thing. So you're, you're, you're not taking that new dishwasher with you. So no, we're not taking the new dishwasher. You should you should feel free to abuse the hell out of it. Yeah. Part of the house. Um, oh yeah, no, our first buyers fell through. They decided not to go through with it, but uh, luckily we had backup buyers. We had a second offer that was made the day that the first offer was made, and um, after this first one fell through, after and they spent three weeks looking at this place, and um, they you know they spent money on due diligence and uh all this kind of stuff they they hired engineers and all and uh um everything turned out fine they just decided they didn't want to move to sanford i suppose and so these uh and so that took three weeks so the um we kind of had to start the process over and um we actually just had a a appraisal people come out today and they've already had the engineers out here they've had all this and so far so good so it looks like we're closing in mid-january and uh, we will be homeless because we still have not found a place. And Harding. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's where we're at. So far, so good. Um, good luck with that. Yeah, I met the people that uh, that are looking to buy this house. And they've got a, a couple small children. And they seemed really sweet. So um, <laughs> this house was really good for us. And so here's hoping, you know, they have the, the same kind of experience. Oh, with them so it'll be sad it'll be be a sad day when we leave this yeah are you gonna be nostalgic you know i am i'm very nostalgic about inanimate objects like this Uh, john owens (laughs) you're the one that found this house for us uh oh 13 years ago i'm gonna find out if you guys remember but we were all at the newspaper and uh, you guys helped us clean i think when we before we brought furniture here and it was you uh john gordon john um, i don't think i 
I remember I think, helping you carry something up a stairs. You guys remember we uh, Chelsea Kellner joined us. Brooke Wolf, I think, was with us, and we played hide and seek in an empty house. You guys don't remember that? I think that was one of your dreams. No, <laughs> and no, I don't think I don't no, think me this, and Gordon were there. <laughs> this happened, and you guys were were there. This happened, and uh, we played. Yeah, we a bunch of 20, 30 year olds played hide and seek in, in the house. And the only reason I remember that is because I I hid in the upstairs bathroom in the shower. And I think it's the only time I've still been in that upstairs bathroom. <laughs> so yeah, weird, weird memory there. But uh yeah, that was 13 years ago. I don't I brought three that. kids home here. Um, you know. So Aww. yeah, big moments. How long? In this 13 house. years? Yeah. Wow, that's a long time. It is a long time. This, this is the longest I've ever lived in one place. Where are you going to move? I just told you, we have no idea. Like, I mean, but this town or? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're staying in Sanford. We want to, uh, what's really um, making it difficult is we want to stay in the same school district. So that means there's a really only a, a swath of the town that that we can yeah. move to. And so, um, but there's there's good schools all over, man. You, you no, should... there there is there is. Uh, but um, Cameron but, went to Ingram, and it was nice. And yeah. Clara goes to Tramway, but Ingram is kind of the West Lake area. They they have a nice school there. So yeah, it's a it's, it's a lot of really nice schools out here. And um, we're actually we're we've got options. We're talking to a builder right now. We're talking to. Um, a few other people who are looking to sell. So, did you see those apartments that are going up right there near Bullock? Those those look really nice. Those do look nice, and uh, it's a shame they're not going to be open in time. Oh, because they're not. We, we would do something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. I'm, I'm not opposed to living in an apartment. It'll be tough with a couple of dogs that are used to going outside all the time. But um, yeah, I'm not opposed to staying in an apartment. Uh, um, I actually would enjoy not doing yard work for an extended amount of time but we'll see we'll see how it goes i I have no idea but that's where we're at since you asked 